Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. This is your second Dublin Racing Festival preview. We are previewing the Sunday of racing at Leopardstown. I'm your host, George Ellick. I'm delighted to be joined yet again, as I was yesterday, by Andy Holding. But this time, we managed to snaffle Johnny Ward to join him as well. Um, Johnny, you can join us for day one. Andy doesn't know where you were. I think he'll be quite jealous when you tell him, though, where you were on Tuesday night. I was in Anfield. Um, it was a Liverpool v Chelsea, so... Um... Because of the um, because of my climate um, change ambitions and the fact that flights were extremely expensive, I ended up getting the boat over, which is an interesting experience. So we spent uh, uh, much of the time in the Irish Sea. Got to Liverpool eventually. It's an amazing city. Liverpool feels almost like half Irish to me, if not three quarters Irish. Uh, watched the game. <coughs> Liverpool established their credentials um, further in terms of champion uh, the the champions race, obviously. And um, we're looking at this kid that's playing right back who's declared for Northern Ireland and should be declared for the Republic. So there's a lot going on. And also made his name playing in the EFL for Bolton last season. Um, you, you missed out there, Johnny. And it, I can't believe I didn't ask you this yesterday, but now Johnny's here, maybe it's about a time. Jürgen Klopp. Can't believe yeah. it. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's going to take a while to adjust to that, really, because without Klopp there, you just hope that Liverpool don't go down the same way that... Man United did once Fergie left. You always felt once Fergie went that the whole thing would fall like a pack of cards. And um, you know, still falling. The thing, the, 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 yeah, still falling exactly. Yeah, um, and it's going to take a brave man to jump into his shoes, isn't it? Um, it's almost a hard, very, very hard act to follow. Yes, the club's in great state, and and the the, the youth are coming through, as Johnny mentioned. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic set that they couldn't be in, in a better position, but. Um, to play a different style of football and to have that kind of aura, aura and sort of like father figure on the touchline, like Jurgen Klopp is to many of those young lads, to not have that there, it, it, it'll take it'll take a lot of adjusting to with some of the players. So it'll be an interesting season next year, and whoever they get. Who do you want? Well, I think someone who knows the club and the fans can relate to as well. I think that's very important with Liverpool. You'd you'd have to make Xavi Alonso favourite on on all fronts. Really, he was very much respected um, as a player, as someone who came back and played in testimonials and and stuff like that. He always got an amazing reception. Um, he's obviously doing really well as a manager, unlike Stephen Gerrard at the moment. Um, so he does tick a lot of boxes. I, I must admit. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to those of you out there who don't care about football. We'll move on now. But can't all get... Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Well, I think all football fans surely interested in Andy Holding's thoughts on who should be manager after uh, Jurgen Klopp. And I should just mention because we spoke about it. Xavi Alonso is the four to five favourite. Um, you can find the prices up on the odds checker grid as well. That's for better Victor, as short as two one elsewhere with Roberto De Zerbi, uh, the second favourite at eight to one. But let's get into the racing. We, we did kind of the pleasantries last time around um hopefully dan's had a safe trip over the irish sea and enjoys uh, the racing over the course of this weekend but we'll start with the the 1240 which is the mayor's handicap over two miles and two furlongs um before we get into it as ever do download the odds checker app where you can find the best prices bookie offers free bets place terms and andy amongst other tips to, tips straight to the app every single morning but foxy girl is the 130 favorite here ahead of risk bell four to one Feet of a dancer, six to one. Uh, she could be anything, seventeen to two. Splashing out, nine to one. Uh, and we'll stop there. Fourteen to one. Barker splashing out, 
Johnny, you're away this weekend taking your missus out uh, for her birthday. So you are splashing out as it stands, sitting in your cosy hotel room. Um, but who do you fancy in the first? Uh, yes, indeed. Some of you may recognise um, the hotel. It does have kind of racing connections. But um, splashing out is a horse that I've, uh, I've actually been um, kind of following. I backed this horse at Limerick. I was actually away in England that day as well. I might have been working for Oddschecker. I was in... Um, I, I seem to recall watching it from, from the airport where this young kid called Peter Smithers wrote to victory. And then obviously turned up again at Limerick, was touched off at even's favour by Starman, who's been a, a great a servant for connections since being claimed. I'm, I, I'm, I'm interested if, if Andy finds this any easier than I did. I, I thought this race was desperately tough. It's the first race, obviously, on day two. The ground will have dried out a bit here. Um, you've got um, you know practically a full field, give or take. And there's going to be a lot of kind of bad luck in running stories in this race. Last year, there was one such bad luck story Risk well was sent off favourite and didn't get very far. She's the most obvious one for me. She was um, maybe a shade disappointed behind Jatara the last day. I think she's better over this type of trip. I don't think she really was in love with the stamina tests there. Um, and when she, I know she's gone up since she ran in the race last year, but she was third in the Fred Winter as well. She's very, very solid. When she beat Nuzra at the time before that, um, and hypotenuse, that was a very, very good performance. She kind of, the odd issue jumping-wise, but she still only just turned five. She has upside. She represents Willie Mullins, who obviously wants to win this race for his dad. Um, and JP McManus is strongly represented in the race. I would give a mention as well, um, just down at the bottom of the weights, to uh, Sam Carling's horse, Idle. Sam's a very, very promising trainer. This is a mare by Jukebox, sure. She's quite a different profile to um, to to the, the horse I tipped, and she's very likely raised. She was only making her handicap debut the last day punched on. What I thought was significant was here. She was very well backed for a horse with no handicap experience and Sam's horses win, win backs um, generally you do actually I know it's a cliche but you do take notice he's a very shrewd operator she had run well behind facile mode at, at Punchestown prior to that and was relatively eye-catching but was a bit of a revelation at Punchestown and I'd be probably having a saver on her um, off 114 sixth place with, uh, with Sky Best 20 to 1 as well um, so her and Risk Bell for me but not a, not a big six event yeah, Riss Bell, uh, the main section there, four to one, pretty much across the board. And as, as Johnny says, six places, uh, sky bet uh, at the moment, given the most places. Uh, Andy, how do you see it? Yeah, with a, with a huge um, dollop amount of luck in running, I think, um, attached to this race, you, you, you're going to need, um, you, you're going to need uh, like a bit of a thick skin betting in it. Um, I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, a thing of Paul Nolan's got brought down which might have been a saving grace because I think she would then went on to win the third times final, Mrs. Milner. Um, um, and there's, there's usually just general scrimmaging and bunching and running, um, you know, with the big field here, all, all searching for room. Um, I think Riss Bell is the most likely winner. Um, if she gets the trip, I think she's probably better at two miles. She definitely didn't quite get the two and a half behind Jatara, as Johnny said here last time, but she went well for a long way. You know, that was a good race compared to this one. I know that's just a handicap and she's got, um, you know, um, her sort of fair share of weight, I suppose. But um, she's the class act in the field for me. Um, I'd have to have her on my mind, considering she's the only representative of Willie Mullins and the race, of course, is named after uh, Patrick Mullins. So you'd, but you'd imagine this has been targeted for a while. The other one I'd probably throw into the mix as well is a horse I've got a bit of a keen... Um, affection for and that's uh, Broomfield's Bijou um, she was third to Hispanic girl I think it was last time out at Fairy House but she tried to make the running that day and went really really hard on heavy ground she looked like she was going to win kicking off the home turn 
she just didn't quite get home under the conditions that day. Um, but she was good beyond the wall park the time before when second in a top strongly run race. She likes a big feel. That's the thing about this. So she look at all her best form. It's taken place in those big field handicaps when she won at Punchestown last year. So she's used to this kind of hustle and bustle. They've got for the cheek pieces the, uh, for the first time. Not sure why they're on, but connections perhaps feel as though they might just show up and appear there and everywhere, get her to concentrate when she hits the front. Um, and at 14 to 1, I think she's probably the value outside the favourite. So I'd probably play too, like Johnny has, that you've got a factor in risk bell, whichever way you strip this race down. Uh, and for me, the each way horse with the with the places on offer would be Bre uh, Broomfield Bijou. Broomfield Bijou, fourteen to one currently with Paddy Power, William Hill, Betfair Sportsbook, Bet Victor, Unibet, and a couple of other firms there too. So a couple to take on the field with, but both keen on the chances of risk. Bell onto the second race of the card, the novice Chase uh, Gaelic Warrior is uh, ten to eleven favourite, had a factor file at two to one. Uh, Grange Clare West is eleven to two. American Mike twenty five to one. Founder fifty. Uh, 50 to 1. Now, Andy, we spoke yesterday with Dan on the Saturday preview, the disappointment of not seeing uh, the Titanic clash we hoped for on Saturday with Gaelic Warrior, but instead we have Gaelic Warrior versus Factor File. And in terms of prices, not a great deal between them, but given the, the way you spoke about Gaelic Warrior yesterday, I'm assuming you're taking the favourite here. Yeah, and the sort of comments we made about Gaelic Warrior yesterday without offending anyone was more borne out into the fact that connections set themselves up for a fall, really, but with their terminology saying that it was more than likely going to run in the two-mile race. It wasn't the fact that they decided to duck it, although they, you know, they are still running at the meeting. Let's, let's, let's give them plenty of credit for that. that. That wasn't the point. It was it was more the fact that they got everyone's hopes up more than anything and then dashed it. Uh, I think that's what I was getting at as a racing fan. We, 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 we all wanted the best to take on the best. And, you know, they, wanted, they said they wanted to find out whether he was a two-miler or not. Um, so they're kind of like, it was their own words, not mine, if you, if, if you like. So it was a bit disappointing. I, I don't know what Johnny felt about it, but well, the whole episode could, could have been perhaps handled a bit better. But anyway, we have got Gailey Warrior at the meeting. And fair play to Willie Mullins, like I say, um, credit where credit's due. You know, he's chucked him in against his two best horses over their respective trips. Graincare West is a, ostensibly a three-miler, more of an RSA horse or brown advisory horse. Back to four, we don't know whether three miles is going to be East Strip or whether he's a Turner's horse. And he's up against the best two mile, two and a half mile horse either side of the RSC so far this season on the figures. That's Gaelic Warrior, who absolutely trotted up at Limerick next last time out. Beats two very good horses in a spectacular time. The only issue with him, which has always been the case with him, uh, and it'll be at Cheltenham, regardless of how he gets on here, is his tendency to just jump out to the right. Mm. how pronounced that will be down the back straight at Leopardstown. I don't know. It could well be that Paul Townend does what he often does here uh, at Leopardstown, like he does on Galapanda Shop. He, he, he tends to go out on the hair rail. So it kind of might negate Gaelic Warriors' um, tendencies to do that, which I think is a, a certainly better advantage here than it would be at Cheltenham, let's say, where there's wide open spaces to his right. Uh, so that could be a factor by why he might not necessarily be uh, 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 so much of a negative here. I'd expect him to win just because I think he's, the, you know, by far and away the quickest, the best horse in the race, the classiest. Uh, but um, at the same time, you know, Factor Fall and, and Grange Clare West are no mugs. So uh, is this the best even money, 10 to 11 chance you'll ever see in, in your life? Probably not. But um, either way, it's going to be exciting and um, it, it'd be lovely to see the three of them, you know, really serve it up. 
Johnny, how do you see this? Yeah, I'd have some sympathy for Willie Mullins here because I think he was being honest during the week and, um, you know, he, he's probably not revealed exactly why things have changed and that's fair enough. You have to keep your cards a bit close to your chest. Maybe, indeed, um, Pascal Vega did actually work very well in his quest to um, beat Marine Nationale as he wasn't able over hurdles. But, you know, it's testament to Willie's commitment to this festival that he's won three really good horses here, one potential superstar against each other. And this race for me now has become... Um, pretty much the race of day two and one of the races of the festival because of the three of them run against each other. And uh, if you look at the map of Leopardstown, it's not, I, I was actually, it was funny getting the train um, across country yesterday, I passed Chester. And when I was passing Chester, I got a real feel for how, how undulating it is and how much, sorry, how turning it is. Leopardstown's not quite like that. And and if Gaelic Warriors is to get away with going um, sort of right-handed here, um, I think he's more likely to get away with it here than um, as Cheltenham. Now, what I'm fascinated by is Andy alluded to Paul Townend's tactics. Paul Townend um, at Leopardstown, the last day, as he mentioned, taking kind of the long route around. Um, he did actually, the last day on Grangeclare West, he was quite wide much of the way. And Willie Mullen said afterwards, I, I'm not sure how he won. He pulled he pulled so hard for three miles. He didn't really pull that hard. I think he settled well, jumped extremely well. And I'm fascinated as to Patrick Mullins, what he's going to do riding Grangeclare West when he comes up. And if he's a vine for uh, the ascendancy with Gaelic Warrior, considering what happened at Limerick, where he's going to go coming to the last year. And the performance of Grangeclare West there, I think at 11-2, to I'd have a small bet on him. I'm, I'm still worried about Gaelic Warrior, the extent that he will jump right. And as much as he might get away with it at Leopardstown, at the prices, this might be the day to take him on. He's been beaten twice at uh, Cheltenham. Um, he won a handicap at Leopardstown, fair enough. But this is a really good race. And just at the prices, this might be the day to take him on um, with a very good horse. And fact, a file who's like missed that has gone straight over fences. And I think Florida Pearl before him from his bumper days was exceptional the last day. But this is much, much tougher. And I, I think I think he's a value at the prices, Grangeclare West. That was a... And a, a really astounding performance as well the last day against a good horse and Corbett's Cross. Um, and in running is going to be fascinating here because the extent of the, the favourites jumping to the right is going to be intriguing and what Paul Townend does as well because he's going to be mindful of it. Would you be backing Grangeclare West each way? You know, because you've got you've got the five runners. You're getting a quarter a quarter of the two with American Mike 25 to one pound of 50 50 to one. So, you know, you run, you run into the top two, you're making profit. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, like... The, that, that probably is a bit of a match. I couldn't have found a 50 the way he jumped the last year. And I know, um, you know, he's he's had a couple of kind of engagements this weekend as it is. So we'll see what happens there. He's obviously entered in the in the race tomorrow as well. Um, but I at the prices, I'd have Grange Clare West ahead of um, Factify, just in terms of like, I'm still of that kind of slight uh, doubt about his performance behind American Mike in his season return. Maybe he needed to run a bit, but um, he was quite well beaten that day. And I think Grange Clare West is a very good horse. He probably wasn't quite as heralded since he was disappointed in the Lawlers as a novice hurdler. Maybe he disappointed a couple of times subsequently, but I can't knock his chase performances at all so far. Lovely stuff, yeah. In the, um, we got... Yeah, Grange Clare West, 11 to 2, but basically every firm on the grid, a couple of firms go 5 to 1, Unibet and Live Score Bet, but most firms there, 11 to 2, Johnny's pick in the second. Uh, on to uh, Lover Seidel now, over two miles. Um, Ballyburn is the even money favourite, had a Farrell draw <coughs> at 130. Slade Steel, 8 to 1. King of Kingsfield, 11 to 1. Daddy Longlegs, 12 to 1. 20 to 1 by those eight runners. Andy, as it stands, who comes out on top of your, your figures is Ballyburn, uh, the rightful even money favourite here, odds on with most. No, he's not. There's a few Willie Mullins horses that are definitely priced up on reputation more than anything else at this meeting. Um, we talked about the juvenile yesterday, Storm Hart, probably the worst value of the meeting at six to four. And I'd have to say Ballyburn is probably hot on his heels, really, at even money. 
let's just put it into context what, what he's done so far. Very good in his bumpers. Looks a two and a half mile horse all day long. Looks a two and a half mile horse all day long when he got outpaced by Firefox, who subsequently got beat uh, quite readily in, in, in the Lawlers. Uh, and then he was good here when they stepped him up to two and a half mile horse and he beat horses who were just very, very one-paced and obviously were nowhere near graded level on that occasion. I look, I, 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 take, I take on board that the second and the fourth have won out of that race at Epitone, so it probably does have a little bit more substance um, than it meets the eye. But look, the time figure wasn't anything special and he has only won a maiden hurdle. He now goes into grade one company, gets some good horses who set a really good standard and have clocked some really very very good times I, I, I just don't get why he's even money and why farron glory who's already won technically two grade ones he won the raw bond and he, he would have won aintree had he not fallen the second last one absolutely cantering is three times the price i think farron glory sets a really good standard he's the one to beat for me if ballyburn beats him then he's a real bona fide supreme horse there's no doubt about it i actually kind of like selfishly Almost want Bally Burn to win in some respects because I've put up Predators Gold for the, for the bar, um, bar in Bingham, and I'm hoping that Bally Burn doesn't get beat here in some respects. And they think, oh yeah, he got out. He 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 was he didn't have the speed of Farron Glory, and then they'll stick him back up into trip and, and run him in in the uh, bar in Bingham instead of Predators Gold. So I can't have it. I can't have it always as it were. But um, I'm, I'm looking at this race at face value, playing on its merits what they've done, how they're priced up, regardless of their future targets. And there's no way for me Baron Glory should be 100 to 30. And I've also got a sneaky suspicion that King of Kingsfield could run well here. He's one of those horses that, because he kept finishing second early on in his career, everyone thought he was a bit of a, a twicer and he had a bit of a glass chin. But he was being ridden from the front early on in, in his career, and I don't think he wanted to be in front. The day when Slade Steele picked him picked his pocket, um, at, I think it was at Nace, it, early on in the season. He was very vulnerable to a finisher that day. And he come there absolutely cantering in the Royal Bond, went to the front again that day, and just got outrun by his stabber companion. But they held on to him last time out here, and they delivered him at the last, and he found a really smart turn of foot that day to win. And I think he's all about speaking to Kingsfield. Again, I think for him, maybe the target might necessarily be uh, one of the graded races at Cheltenham. Um, off a mark of 140, he uh, he could strike me as being a county hurdle horse because of his cruising speed and his turn of foot. But again, that's for another day. But um, he, he's overpriced here at 11 to 1. So I'd probably put back the two Gordon Elliott horses here. I think Farron Glory is overpriced, and I think King of Kingsfield can consistently keeps getting underestimated when he shouldn't be. 130 Farron Glory, that's best price with William Hill, standout best price as well. 11 to 1 with Hills and 365 about King of Kingsfield. So, two strong ones there um, from Andy, uh, the two Elliot horses. Uh, Johnny, were you surprised to hear Andy so strong taking on the favourite, or are you, uh, are you in agreement? No, it's all about the price. Like, and you know, th yeah. this is the good thing about this is the good thing about this meeting. And, and when you're looking for a betting angle, the bookmakers really haven't a clue what they're doing in terms of the the, the proximity of the Mullins horses together. Like, and I remember yesterday's day. It's, it's really interesting when JP has won in the race and Paul Townend's riding something else. You had Home My Lord and Tactical Move in the race, where Home My Lord was put in really hot favourite of the two initially, which I couldn't get my head around, and it completely flipped then by race time and Tactical Move won. Um, and when you have a situation like this, granted, Paul Townend may think he's on the right horse. But like he's he's alluded to this himself in a, in in his blog with Ladbrokes um 
that you know he's he's wary of this. And as Andy mentioned, the juvenile race, and um, you maybe listened to this after the fact here, but the juvenile race for me was was not as cut and dried either. And I think Paul Townend has pretty much alluded to this. Um, now, Bally Byrne, his form ties in with my selection, which is Daddy Longley's, because they both beat Cletus Pulo. And now, Cletus Pulo actually won a maiden hurdle during the week in, in impressive fashion. But for me, Daddy Longley's by Almanzor, who, who was had his big day when the champion stakes, so I was lucky to be there that day. Um, and forget about his run the last year, where he never went a yard. The ground was absolutely atrocious. When he won at Turles, or, at, or rather, when he won at, wasn't at Turles the day before, the ground was yielding. And he looked very impressive that day, Paul Townsend is really gushing about him afterwards I would literally put a line through his one the last the ground that's as bad as it gets at Leprosound the 27th heavy practically unraceable never went a yard I expect him to bounce back here and I expect Ballyburn if Ballyburn was off even money or shorter um, I'd be genuinely amazed I will give a mention to Facile Mode as well which would be about 66 to 1 Facile Mode ran behind Frank Glory in the Royal Bond didn't run badly at all he just came out of a maiden hurdle the last day at Leopardstown again he he kind of travelled okay to the second last and the ground was so bad he couldn't pick up at all you you remember like last year there was a rumour he was going to be picked up by a big owner I'm not sure what happened there but he looked for very impressive when he won his bumper. He, um, you know, Tom Mullins was kind of gushing about it. He's another kind of flashy walk in the park with a lovely pedigree. I, I think he's going to outrun his odds, but I, I'm going to have my main bet here will be on um, Daddy Longlegs. who's one of really, two really good rides that Willie, Patrick Mullins rather has uh, in the grade one races on Sunday. How many each, each way chances can you want? Another couple there to take on the favourite with uh, Daddy Longlegs, 12 to 1 best price with Paddy's and the Betfair Sportsbook, 66 to 1. About Fassar mode, if you do want to take a chance on the big price horse there um, from Johnny. Uh, on to the Dublin chase now, and Al Fabiolo is the 4 to 11 favourite ahead of Dino Blue at 11 to 2. Gentleman to me, 8 to 1, 14 to 1. Captain Guinness, St. Roy is uh, 66 to 1. And Johnny Lee's seems to be a bit of a trait of this year's DRF, these kind of trappy races with a hot pot. Uh, whoever's looking forward to seeing out in front, uh, is it possible to pick any holes in Al Fabiolo's chance, even at 4 to 11? Well, he makes the odd mistake. Uh, to be fair, he's he's unbeaten over fences, and for for whatever reason, um, maybe it's just a law of averages. He makes the odd mistake. Um, I I think Nicky Henderson's campaign of Constitution Hill is is a bit of a joke, to be honest. I mean, he, Constitution Hill should be at Leopardstown. But to be fair to Nicky, he runs John Bond a little bit differently, and I think they were going to. To be fair, they actually were going to clash. Obviously, in the Clarence House, it didn't work out. That's fine. And so this race is is what it is. Basically, it's kind of we don't have any outstanding two mile. Um, chaser in Britain who could be here apart from John Bond really and it's still a good race Captain Guinness if he can get over he was clinically abnormal I think the last he's a good horse um, you know Dino Blue Dino Blue is actually probably improving I thought she was very good the last year for all that the race kind of fell into her lap the way it was run but El Fabiolo should win um, he's by far the classiest of these um, it's very hard to pick a hole in him really and he finds plenty for pressure if, if it does come to that it'll be a no bet race for me short of putting him into a double with something else for the forecast um, at the prices, I'd probably go with Captain Guinness. I think if he bounces back, he's pretty much every bit as good as uh, Dino Blue. So Captain Guinness, uh, if you were to have a forecast here alongside the favourite Al Fabiolo, um, would be and, and you know there is fourteen to one a quarter of the two there, so there might be an each way angle. Also, there is a without the market as well. So if you do want to back uh, Captain Guinness without Al Fabiolo, you'd be looking at three to one. That's with Skybet. Uh, Andy, how do you play this? Struggling really for inspiration here because. Um... I'm not sure how the three JP Manis's Manisic, horses are, are, are going to be ridden. Um, I think there's one or two subplots as well further down the line, which make it a little bit harder to sort of get your head around because there's no denying that El Fabiolo win this and win it easily uh, with the clear round. He's just totally different gear to this lot. But um, Dino Blue has obviously got two alternatives at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, 
but mainly a target is, is the mayor's race. And it's interesting that Limerick Lace is um, the main danger to Dino Blue, certainly on form anyway, as far as I could see, in the same colours. So not sure whether JP will run both of those against each other in the mayor's chase, but that only time will tell. And the other one is St. Wah, who got a very, very eye-catching ride, let's say, the other day uh, in a handicap at uh, Ferry House. Um, and that has definitely been targeted, I think, for the, for the Grand Annual at the Cheltenham Festival. He's got a mark 151, but they'd probably want to try and get that down some way. Um, so keep an eye on how, how Jody McGarvey rides that. That's that's all I can say about that, because he's definitely got a ton of class simple. And if he was in a Grand Annual off below 150, he could do some damage there. And I say bookmakers already been alerted to that. He's, I think he's eight to one second favourite. So we're not looking at any fancy prices there. So uh, it's more of a watching race for me. This I I I've been reluctant to put anything up as a bet because I'd say with three JP horses and and you know a short price favourite, it's not conducive to um to you know betting um like uh, like a trooper. I think you've I think you've put that very well, Andy. Hmm. Right. Well, this is the old check of betting show, so it might be. <laughs> Uh, exciting to see what El Capello does, but there's no bet. Let's move on. Let's find one. Um, so we're going to go to another race with a three-on favourite. Uh, that is the 2.45, uh, the Irish champion hurdle, where Stateman will take on uh, Impere Pass. Stateman is the uh, three-on fav. Impere Pass is nine to two. Bob Ollinger, re- the returning uh, to, to former glory, Bob Ollinger uh, is 11 to one. Echoes and Rain, 20 to one. And Feed You Dairy, 125 to one. Um, now this is a pretty good renewal, this Andy. So it's a it's telling of Stateman's class that he's in at hundred. Sorry, at three zone. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably just take another chance at the prices here and back in Pede Pass each way because um, he'll finish second of the favourite. So it's almost like a free bet. This is race is going to set up exactly the same as it did um, the time before, almost identical. You've got Phil de race likely to go off in front. Echoes in rain will be dropped out towards the back. And then it's going to be a straight match between Impere Pass and Stateman off the corner. I did notice Impere Pass made a bad mistake at the second last as well, when he was still travelling equally as well as Stateman last time. And then he just couldn't quite pick up and um, match Stateman's turn of foot. But look, it's different ground, uh, different track. I think this is on the... Is, it, is this one on the inside track, is it, compared to the outside track last time? Um, I think that might be the case. And I think it's significant that Willie Mullins is, is quite prepared to roll the dice again with Impere Pass and let him have another go. Um, but like I say, at the price is three to one on a nine or two. There's, there's only one way you can play this for me, and that's back Impere Pass each way. Um, and I do think Stateman, actually, if he does win this, he's in a much more healthier position than he was this time last year to go out and take on Constitution Hill. His numbers and just the way he's going through his race and finishing off his races have been a, a lot more impressive than they, they were last year. So, yeah, come the festival, it, it's not totally beyond the realms of possibility. It's fine, man, I'll give Constitutional a little bit more of a race than he did last time out. But um, for, for betting purposes for this race, say, looking at the odds, I'd have to stick up in Pele Pass. Um, Do you think uh, that each way? Each way. I mean, given that you obviously, you know, you hold them both in, in high regard. Like you can back Stateman and, and then Empire Pass at kind of 130 and, and 10 to 1, non run no bet for the champion hurdles. Given that, you know, we, we're not really seeing much of Constitution Hill, and as you said in the show yesterday, you know, things do happen in jumps racing. 
Is that because it's hard to really imagine that even with Constitution Hill lining up, they're going to go off much bigger than that, and you're getting your each trade, your each trade place. And if something does happen, then you're going to be sitting on, on massive bets. Is there an angle there, or do you think you know, it's yeah. just unbeatable? Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like I said, just just looking at the times that Stateman and Perry Pass did last time out, that that's right up there with the best that they've ever 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 achieved. Uh, even in defeating Perry Pass, went way past what he's he did he did last season. Um, so he's definitely getting better as well. There's no doubt about that. Um, and yeah, they've been steadfast, haven't they? The connections in Perry Pass, they they want to get to the champion hurdle and have a, have a, have a good crack. So. Um, yeah, this is all part of his education, his progression. That was only that is only his second run in his life against real genuine bona fide grade one older horses um, at a novice company. So you know you've got to give him the benefit. The dad Stadman's been doing it for the last two or three years. So if there is more improvement to come, it's going to be from when Perry passed because we know what Stadman's all about. Johnny, what what do you reckon? This any angles, or if not, just you can talk around the the qualities of the two and where you see them. Uh, in terms of Constitution Hill come come March. Next month. Next month. Wow. Next month. Mm. Yeah. Which is kind of why um Mouse Morris was saying to me in an interview that we brought out sort of next month that he wasn't mad at running Gentleman's Games. He thinks it's too close to Cheltenham. Now, that's kind of a fragile horse. So he's like, if anything goes wrong, he does have a hiccup in the Gold Cup. You know, we, we might have an issue here, but like Constitution Hill should be running here. And, um, you know, and the Imperi Pass conundrum is interesting because he's still going to be likely picking up a lot of money for finishing second. Maybe the owners don't, don't care about that, but he, he's probably more of um. I don't know if they don't see him as a stairs hurdle horse because that looks kind of a bit more viable. He's probably... I can't really see how he beat Stateman, to be honest. I, I, Andy makes reference to the mistake, and I, I was very interested to see when, when he did kind of maybe when as they were coming to the last of last year, what he was going to find. And Paul Townend just had everything covered. And Stateman's weird because if we didn't have Andy's times and and the more technical aspects of us and Constitution Hill weren't around, we'd be hailing one of the great two mile herders, really. You know, or yeah. certainly of our generation. But it just happens to be that, you know, he's taken on. I don't know, possibly the best jumper ever or something like that. So it's it's he's unfortunate that regard, but it's impossible to pick a hole in. Tactically, will anything different happen here? I mean, if you're riding Imperia Passe, which Daryl Jacob is, how do you get um the favourite beaten? I'd probably not quite do the same as the last day if I were thinking that way. Bob Ollinger coming into it for all that he's been kind of knocked. He actually has a very good win record this horse in various disciplines from point and bumpers, uh, hurdles, uh, and and even over fences. Um I, I still think this will be a bit of a, a test too far from, but for me, state man, um, that that non-run no bet angle is is absolutely, um, you know, makes perfect sense for Cheltenham. Like, how how would you, if you were telling mate in a pub that you'd offer the non-run no bet market in which you'd a one to five shot making the market five weeks out, he'd say you're absolutely mad, and that's what it is. So if Constitution Hill, who, let's be honest, has been treated as if he were, you know, some sort of like act- actual, you know, royalty that he'd barely like, get out of bed in the morning, you know, maybe if something does go wrong, state man's going to be trees on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you would, so would you take a chance now at the 130 run no bet? Yeah, like, and obviously, if you want to be filthy enough, you do it each way. But yeah, like, yeah. I, I still, you'd have to back that each way to make it totally just file because of the, of the, of the place market aspect mm-hmm. to it. But I, I'm just very disappointed. I don't see Michael Buckley and Nicky Henderson at this stage of their lives if they're going to not go down the Gold Cup route with Constitution Hill, which I've absolutely no problem with. If you're not going down the chasing route, again, I would go chasing, but that's fine. What is the point in just running him a couple of times between the start of the season, uh, where he's tens on, and Cheltenham, where he'll be sixes on, or something like that? Like I don't know. You you also, if you're fortunate enough to have that amount of money and that amount of prestige, you have some. Um, I think you have to give something back to the race in public, and they're not doing that here, for as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and interesting, especially with the owner having said in the past, you know, the, the grand ambitions that he had for the horse. Hopefully, maybe um, in the future, we'll, we'll see more competition now. But we digress. And we should get back to Sunday's racing in the DRF. And we've got a more open um, race now in the Handicap Jace, uh, which is the uh, third last race in the car, the 320. Uh, and we've got, uh, I know the way you're thinking, is the 6-1 to one favourite ahead of James de Burley at 13-2. to two. Meeting of the Waters at 7-1. to one. Hartwood, 9-1. to one. <clears throat> Percival uh, Legalois is 12-1. Uh, to one. Adamantly Chosen, 16s. Clatter Getaway, 16s. Hollow Game, 16s. Bustleton and others, 20-1 to one and bigger. Um, 25 in here. Seven places again from Skybet. A few others going six. Johnny, how do you, how do you make sense of this one? Yeah, to, to the bookmakers here are trying to price up. I know the way you're thinking. Um, I, I is going to be in for Cheltenham, to be honest. That, that's kind of my ambition. I don't like backing McManus horses on handicap debut. That could be absolute waffle. I just don't. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, the more it goes on, the more I actually agree them and doing the right thing. James DeBurley, for me, was he's getting trimmed a little bit since I sort of did my recording or did my um, prep for this. But if you watch his, his one behind Meeting of the Waters, the last day, Daryl Jacob rode and he came up the inner... Um, he was actually traveling. He was pretty much the last horse off it, along with meeting up the waters. He had a big swing in the weights here. He only got a pound. He didn't get the trip on the day, the extended three. He's only gotten a pound. Paul Town and rides him. He's a quite a straightforward horse to ride, this fella. And I, I, I think with those places, just looking at what are we here with Sky, but 11 to 2, seven places, six to six places with Hills. No issue with that. Meeting of the Waters, who was obviously entered up at Nace in graded company and had some other entries. It's interesting that he goes here 15 pounds higher than he won at Leopardstown. Um, to be honest, at seven to one, though, I, I'd still I'd still be wary of taking him on at sevens because he's a bit of a blank <coughs> canvas the way he did it that day, beating Panda Boy, who may or may not have boosted the form by now. Um, but yeah, I do like. James of early in terms of those E-trade places. He's a straightforward horse. I think he'll stay out of trouble. This trip is better for him. Classic getaway stalemate isn't out of, out of it either. Andy, how about yourself? Yeah, I think I think this is probably one of the most fascinating races of the entire weekend. Um, not only to watch um, on Sunday itself, but to sort of make notes for, for going forward because the plan is obviously with meeting other waters, the Grand National. They've had a multitude of options in the last month or so since they won the Paddy Power and they've refused them. I think he was down to running Lep- uh, Weatherby the other week and they they, they pulled him out. Um, whether it was a count of the ground or not, I don't know. But I think they're absolutely fried to death of picking up more weight than what they've got or going up in the ratings. He's 145, but they don't want to go over 150. So... And that's you Maybe. Too well, Andy. The hood. What do you make of the hood? Because the hood on here and the hood was declared at Nace as well. Yeah, he, he has been a bit free in his races. He was free the day when he won at Cork. Um, and he was a little bit keen, to be fair, in the Paddy Power as well. So that, that might be just a, a pacifier to kind of like get him to settle a little bit better. Um, but I don't think they'd be wanting to burst 145 too, too readily. I, you know, if he does win this, he's going to go, you know, more 150, 155 than 145. So I'd always have that slightly in the back of my mind. I agree with know the way, I know the way you're thinking. Um, he's caught the eye every single time he's run over fences, and there's definitely a big handicap in him. Um, whether this is the one, I don't know. But I agree with you. I think James de Burley here is almost certain to be back there. He rode his own boat for a long time, didn't he, in the Paddy Power, and he just got a little bit tired over that three miles, but it was a punishing race. The time figure was one of the best figures over the entire four days uh, festival at Christmas and that was thanks to James de Burley and, and the fact that he went so hard um, 
and he just got picked off by stronger stars like Mate in the Waters and, and, and Panda Boy, who are, you know, genuine sort of grand national contenders. But you could you could ride him a little bit more aggressive level two and two mile five and, and not expect him to stop. So I, I I do think that he'll he'll be bang now. And I don't think they're necessarily thinking with him. Cheltenham with him, one of handicaps. I don't think there's like an ulterior motive with him. And I think you've also got to mention Hartwood as well. He's finished second to Grange Square West and Blood Destiny on his first two runs. And he's got a here off a mark of 136. Now, if you think that you know you're thinking and meeting the waters a well handicap, well, what does this make this fella? He just basically couldn't <laughs> live with Blood Destiny, who absolutely flew round um, Nace um, when he won on his chasing debut. And he's an out-and-out two-miler, and Hartwood isn't. So I do think Hartwood is also another one to factor in. So looking at the prices and looking at what Johnny said about, I know the way you're thinking, McManus, handicap away from Cheltenham, meeting the waters, knowing how Paul Byrne works and operates, will they want to be all guns blazing to win with him and, and ruin a central Grand National handicap mark? I'd probably go with the other two, who are equally well handicapped and suitable to the, this kind of race. So I'd go James de Burley at 13 to 2 and Hartwood at a standout 9 to 1. Yeah, both those prices with Bet365, who are a fifth to six places there. 13 to 2, James de Burley and Hartwood, 9 to 1. Two more races on the card. Got the handicap hurdle now, the listed race over two miles. Uh, Magical Zoe is a 13 to 2 favourite, head of Attaboy Charlie, 7 to 1. Uh, Anne Tobar, 8 to 1. Zenta and One Last Tango, both 10 to 1. 12 to 1 common practice and uh, Bialy stock, uh, 16 to 1 bar those. Again, we've got 22 in here, a couple of firms, 365 and Skybet going six places. Andy, how do you see this? Yeah, it's interesting that Willie Mullins has pulled the plug on Zenta. Um, she looked a really good juvenile last year, won the Grady race at Aintree, um, but then they decided to go chasing with her. And of what I saw of her on a chasing debut um, at Cork, it was a perfectly respect, um, respectable run, but ultimately it wasn't one that filled you with a whole heap of um, uh, sort of confidence going forward. She, she was a little bit hit and miss here, there and everywhere, maybe a, a little bit rusty, but as a piece of form stands, it, it couldn't have worked out any better. Silent approach ran really well uh, next time out against the boys. Harmonia Maker um, went on to beat Hortier, um after finishing down the field behind the same horse at Limerick. And Zenta was sandwiched somewhere in between. So she didn't run that badly, actually, on the, on the face of it. And then she goes back over hurdles, which I think is much more suitable to her makeup. Um, she gets enough 138, which I think is workable. So I definitely have her on my shortlist. And I think you've got to factor in Attaboy Charlie as well. Oh, I thought bolted up here last time out. Um, he'd run in three or four maiden hurdles to get a mark. He got in off 111 and he made light work of that. And again, he, did, he clocked a really good time figure when he won that day. Beat 23 runs. So he's used to running in big field handicaps. Um, the fourth horse of J.J. O'Brien's ran nicely out of that race of the day uh, on ground that wouldn't have been suitable for him at Punchestown. So I think that form's all right as well. So again, I'll probably look at those two, Zenta and um, course and distance winner, Attaboy Charlie. Yeah, Zenta 10 to 1 uh, with uh, 365, Bet Victor and Coral, 365, six places. Attaboy Charlie, 7 to 1, Bet Victor, um, Coral, Quinn, Bet, Ladbrooks, and Bet Goodwin. You need 13 to 2 if you want to take the, the six places, Sky Bet and 365. Johnny? 
Yeah, my this is my bet of the day, Atboy Charlie. Um, I see Black Bamboo as well, who was six. He's he's due to run at three o'clock on Saturdays. Keep an eye out for that form. Um, just if you look back on his earlier form as well, when he was second uh, to Watford Whispers, first time out at Galway, that was only in October. Watford Whispers had uh, already had a run, subsequently won a maiden hurdle and ran very well here off a decent mark the last day. Um, if you watch his run, I, I, I still I make this point again. If you're a, a handicap debutant running in a 23-runner handicap hurdle at Leopardstown with no handicap experience, um, I think it's a hell of an ask. And JJ Slevin rode the horse kind of as if, I don't know if you were very confident that he, he had a bit in hand or what, but when he came on, like from the sort of the, out of the back straight, he came way around the houses, like, I'm going to stay out of trouble here. The horse just absolutely, he was cantering. He came to the last, he only ended up winning by less than two lengths. Well, I thought his superiority was pretty dramatic. Eddie Cawley's had a brilliant campaign. Um, he's he's had, I presume he's been laid, presume he's been laid out for this race now. He's, you know, back to, he, was, he said it was a dream to have a winner at Leopardstown, um, the last year. So it was a dream to have a winner at the Christmas Festival. But clearly they would have looked at this straight away and said, okay, What's he going to get? Is he going to get in? He's getting in with 10 stone four. He got 12 pounds. I think that's absolutely fine. Seven to one for a horse with so much upside in terms of his ability. Now he travels in the race. JJ Slevin riding really well. He's going to have a big weekend. How is he going to ride in this time? Probably maybe with a little bit more um, kind of, I suppose, maybe an aversion to going as wide because he'll be able to sort of uh, track a passage and he's more confident in the horse's jumping ability. They schooled him very hard, but um, yeah, so like with the each way places, again, I'm looking at sevens here. That that for me would be the bet of the weekend. So we've nearly had to wait for last to get it. And about Charlie, bet of the weekend for Johnny there in the penultimate race on the card at the DRF on Sunday. Uh, finally, we have the uh, bumper, the mayor's bumper with Aurora Vega, seven to four favourite, head of uh, Mongebello at 11 to two, Fleur Fusil is uh seven to one um femme magnifique is eight to one baby kate nine to one uh barna hash primrose eleven to one twenty to one bar those uh johnny any view in the, in the mess bumper in the, in the last race of the day I was putting up Fleur Fazil at 14s. That price has been half now, so that takes that angle away. Um, she was quite keen at Nace, or at Navin, rather. She kind of carried Jodie to the front. Jodie was saying afterwards that she just was a bit strong. She, I think she's very powerful. Um, generally, when you have a horse with the profile of Aurora Vega, um, it's probably going to... You're not going to get value on her for all that. I actually was. I thought her form to Gorn was, was quite exceptional. Sharp on. Objects, not a bad horse, was a bumper winner prior to that. Um, and Aurora Vega, um, walking the park out of Covega, obviously, she's very exciting. But um, with, with that market move, Willie has so many in the race. This isn't a, a race I'd be getting involved in, to be honest. Hollybrook, I should mention as well, just the fact that, um, just looking at the prices here, 16.20, Charlie Swan riding. Gordon Ellis is a really powerful horse in the bumper division. Um, I'm a big fan of Mount Nelson. She's a lovely pedigree. She won a point to point, but um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be discounting her considering Harry is riding her. Andy, how about yourself in the in the last race of the weekend? Yeah, this this is the, the kind of uh, race that I'd, I'd probably be more than happy to swear. But uh, yeah, I was quite taken with Fleur at Fuzel. Um, I don't watch as many bumpers as perhaps what I should do. I watch all the replays, but I don't tend to watch them live. But I actually did watch that one live, and um, I, I, it was noticeable the way they rode her. They rode her with a you know degree of uh, patience, and they try to switch you off and. When you get horses that are fairly keen and they, they want to get on with it, sometimes their finishing effort can be compromised. Um, so I always make a note of horses that finish off their races when they they have pulled hard because they're, they're obviously very, very good. Only the good ones are capable of doing that. Um, and Flora Fazel physically looks a nice horse as well. Um, so I would probably have a, half a, a look at her as well if, if the market spoke favourably of her. But by the sound of it, all the shrewd 
the shrewd is far shrewder than me. I've got all the fancy prices about it. It's that way. Yeah, seven to one best price now. That is with Bet365. Uh, thank you very much to both um, Andy and to Johnny for taking time out of their busy schedule. Johnny, have a great weekend uh, away on holiday. Uh, Andy, have a good weekend watching the racing. Um, but yeah, thank you guys as ever for sharing your tips and insight with us. Ahead uh, of the DRF, should be a great weekend's racing. A great weekend sport. Make sure you download the OddsChecker app where you can find the best prices. Bookie offers free bets and plenty more up there, including Andy's tips every day of racing. But most importantly, make sure you enjoy the racing and please ensure that you gamble responsibly.